Late Night Health continues. I'm Mark Allen, uh, along with the insane Daryl Wayne, and we're going to uh, take a look at aging right now. Our guest has written a book. It's called The Super Age, Decoding Our Demographic Destiny. Uh, He's a demographic futurist. He's the first one in the 30,000-plus people that I have talked to. He's my first demographic futurist. Uh, His name is Bradley Sherman, and uh, he's in uh, Washington, D.C. Hello, Bradley. It's good to be with you. First of all, what the hell is a demographic futurist? (laughs) We're a unique breed. Um, We have the ability to take large and complex amounts of data, uh, information on birth rates, death rates, labor force participation rates, and everything in between, align them with emerging trends in society and culture and technology. And from there, we can make very reasonable predictions about the future and what our society and our economy will look like in just a few years. And you can also balance a checkbook? (laughs) That's the one thing I can't do. Okay, got it. (laughs) Um, So are we we on the right course right now? I think it depends on your perspective. Um, From my perspective, it isn't the right course or the wrong course, but it is our reality. And our reality is that for decades now, we've had declining birth rates and increased lifespans. And this boils down to creating a vastly new, vastly older world than we've ever experienced before. So to give you some context, by the end of this decade in the United States, at least one out of five people will be over the age of 65. That is a first in our history, and it will be that reality in at least 35 different nations around the world. But aren't baby boomers the biggest segment of the population right now? Well, the biggest segment of the population right now are millennials. Millennials make up 72 million American citizens. Boomers are down to 70 million now. They were born as the largest generation with 76 million, but obviously People die over the course of a lifetime. So the millennials now exist as our largest demographic by generation, then the boomers, then Gen Z, the the generation that's just coming into work now, then Gen X, my generation. Um, And there's still some people that are are left from the silent generation, about 18 million, uh, including the president. Um, And generation alpha, the youngest of the young, Um, is on track to be probably our smallest generation uh, alive once they all get through. I'm uh, I'm shocked. I I was just talking earlier uh, with uh, Earl Mendel, the author of the Vitamin Bible and the Herb Bible, and he was telling me that uh, uh, the age uh, range in the U.S. has declined over the last two years. Yeah, it's absolutely... Yep. And now it's 77. Yeah, and, and that's due largely to COVID. Um, every time there's a major disruptive health event in this country, or frankly, anywhere in the world, the life expectancy adjusts downward. So we lost about two years on average during the past two years due to COVID. Wow. However, if you take a look back at history, if you take a look at the Spanish flu, for example, during that period, life expectancy adjusted downward by 12 years. Oh my. 
And, and it, what was the life expectancy in 1918? It was low. It was low. Yeah. It was it was hovering around 50, 55, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but make no mistake, you know, these are averages that we talk about here. So this two-year average is across all racial groups. Um, if you're a member of, of one of the indigenous tribes of this country, uh, if you're Native American or Alaskan Native, um, you can expect that your life expectancy ratcheted down by about six and a half or seven years. So that would be 72, 73. Correct. And that's Whoa. a... And that's assuming that um, you're at the national average, which indigenous people are not. In fact, the lowest life expectancy in this country is on the reservation in Oklahoma uh, near Stillwell. And at birth, there's a reasonable expectation that you will make it to 51. 51. Wow. When the national average is, like you said, around 77, 78 now, thanks to COVID, um, but there are pockets, including a small place in North Carolina called Farrington Village, where life expectancy at birth is 97. So there's a major. Well, why gap. aren't we moving there? <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're, we're rich enough to move there. Um, you know, places that do well in terms of longevity have access to higher incomes. They tend to be whiter uh, on average, um, higher educated. And of course, they have very livable communities. Um, they're highly social people that live there and they've got access to great healthcare. Uh, our guest is Bradley Sherman. He's written a book called the super age decoding our demographic destiny. The way I'm interpreting this is that we need old people. Yes. We need them to work. Yes. Um, within the last couple of weeks, I've been asked at least two or three times, are you going to, when are you going to retire? And I, I said, why would I retire? I like what I do. Yeah. And I think many more people feel this way than ever before. Uh, in fact, um, on average, we're seeing people working for longer periods of time now. And in many ways, we're returning to the way things used to be. Um, believe it or not, past is sometimes prologue. Uh, and as, you know, Mark Twain always said, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. So if you go back to, to the 1950s, for example, um, we had labor force participation rates of men over 65, they were nearing 50%. If you look back even further, labor force participation rates may have been even higher, 70 or 80 or even 90%, because for all of human history, we've been expected to work. This invention of retirement in the last century really took us off course. The baby boom, which pumped all of this young, readily available talent that survived childhood into adulthood, dropped the cost of labor, and we pushed older people out of the workforce and into retirement and into nursing homes. What we've learned over the past century, this is not a good deal. People who stay and work are financially healthier. They exhibit greater levels of cognition, mental health, physical health. Um, why would we ever push them away? Um, when everyone is in society and working together, we all start rowing in the same direction. But there used to be mandatory retirement at 65. And I think airline pilots today. They Correct. Think, airline pilots, military, and there are a handful of CEOs, believe it or not, that still have mandatory retirement, as well as 
uh, the heads and the the staff of international organizations like the UN, the World Health Organization, et cetera. But it was only two weeks ago that the CEO of Target, the retailer, the American retailer, made national news because they extended his contract past 65 so he can work until 69 now. So the changes are happening, um, but they're not happening at a pace that is fast enough for me. But he's probably getting a $10 million a year bonus. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely in a different financial situation than most of us. Yeah, um, Many of us have to deal with uh, the reality that in workplaces, we experience some degree of ageism. And people asking you to retire, when are you retiring, is a form of ageism. It's expecting that you're going to fall into a certain archetype because of your physical uh, appearance. When in reality, uh, this, I'm pointing to my brain here for your listeners, this doesn't change up here. You know, this stays strong for those of us who are in brain jobs that have real great curiosity and innovation. This doesn't go away. And I'm often reminded of uh, Debbie Harry, you know, Blondie, who right. when she released her fifth or sixth album a few years ago, in her very heavy accent, her very heavy New York accent said, the big problem is I'm 70 down here, but I'm 20 up here. I can relate brain. to that in many, many <laughs> different ways. Uh, our guest is Bradley Sherman, um, and uh, the book is The Super Age, Decoding Our Demographic Destiny. We're going to take some time out, do some business, and when we come back, we're going to find out what exactly the super age is. And apparently, it's arrived in Italy, Japan, and Germany already. When will it hit here in the United States? We'll find out as Late Night Health continues. Recently, I met Jacqueline from Bright here in Los Angeles. She gave me a hearing exam and then showed me how to hear again with the new Signia Pure Series hearing aids, and she can give you your life back too. I hear birds chirping, birds cooing, and even my wife. They easily connect to my smartphone. The Signia hearing aids are amazing, and with the charge and go, I don't have to fiddle with batteries and hear all day long. Not hearing is frustrating for you and your family. I know, you don't have a problem, but trust me, call Bright here now for a free hearing exam, a $125 value, yours free, just for making an appointment now. There are offices throughout the Los Angeles area. Call Bright here now at 323-424-7100. That's 323-424-7100 for a free hearing exam. There's no obligation. Call now, 323-424-7100, or visit them on the web at brighthear.com. Late Night Health is proud of our partnership with the EBC, the Evolutionary Business Council. Check them out at ebcouncil.com. You're listening to Late Night Health with Mark Allen. The show continues in a moment.
If you're listening to Late Night Health right now, you're part of the growing target of baby boomers we're serving. Hi, I'm Daryl Wayne, producer of Late Night Health, inviting you to join the Late Night Health family. If you have any business targeting the growing boomer market, Late Night Health is the ideal advertising vehicle for you. From vitamins to insurance, alternative health to Western-style medicine, Late Night Health caters to the growing population of those over 40 years old. This vibrant demographic has expendable income to fight aging, purchase travel, take care of aging parents or just have fun find out about the advertising opportunities with late night health call us at 805-391-0308 that's 805-391-0308 or email us at info at late that's info at late join late night health as we empower people to take charge of their own health care call now at 805-391-0308 that's 805-391-0308 Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Words are a critical aspect of success. How you get your point across is a crucial part of what makes anything sell. So do it right and hire a writer. Whether it's articles, blog posts, technical writings, website content, product descriptions, or ghost writing anything from a novel to a nonfiction book about your navel, contact Servette Hassan. If you want it to sell, write it right. Email Servette at Servette at ServetteHassan.com. Late Night Health continues. I'm Mark Allen. Uh, We're talking about aging and ageism and growing older and staying healthy. I think that the number one problem of baby boomers, and Bradley, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that I want to wake up tomorrow morning and know that I'm Mark Allen. And I want to look over and see my wife and know her name. Mm-hmm. And I want to know the name of my kids and my friends. In other words, I don't want my brain to go. Sure. And I think that's the number one problem, or at least frightening, overwhelmingly frightening situation that baby boomers are, are going through. Well, I think certainly baby boomers are rightfully so very afraid of 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 cognitive decline of dementia of 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 alzheimer's because there is no cure um and despite you know the work of uh the gates foundation and others um there really has been no measurable impact on turning around the course of the disease and obviously as we live longer um there's a greater chance that we'll get it but there is an upside to this or at least there's a a positive note even as the number of boomers explodes, about 10,000 each day, um, going past the age of 65, um, the proportion of people that have Alzheimer's is actually going down. So even though the the hard number is going up, the proportion of people is going down. So that's something positive to, to look forward to. And we know um, that if we stay engaged for longer periods of time, we're less at risk for developing something like dementia. So for your listeners, you know, if they're concerned about this, staying engaged in work, staying active and, and engaged in learning, um, but more important than anything else, maintaining your social connections, make sure, making sure you have friends is one of those ways that you can really stave off this disease. I'm a radio host. People don't like me. So uh, we don't have, we don't have I like you. friends. I like Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you, Bradley. Um, 
let's talk about the super age. Uh, what is the super age? Is that somebody who's in their 80s? And well, I'll give you an example. I just thought of somebody. Uh, he just passed away. He was 94 years old. Mm-hmm. He was a publicist here in, in the Los Angeles area where I'm based. He was working until the day he died. Yep. Yep. Uh, super agers are a group of people. And they are, by every measure, a new life stage. So we had teenagers, we had adults, we had those in middle age, we had retirees. Superagers fall into a new category. Um, They tend to be older in terms of their calendar years, um, but they exhibit much younger in terms of their mental function, their cognitive function, their physical uh, strength and well-being. They also tend to be engaged in work, as you've, as you've mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. based on your friend. They're working people, um, usually in income-producing work, but it could be volunteerism as well. They tend to be digitally literate, um, constantly curious, and always connected uh, to their friends and their family. Um, these, this seems to be the mix, the right mix that people have to get to this super-aged position. But in terms of a societal measure, as I mentioned earlier, it's just a numbers game. Um, It's a UN designation for super-aged societies, meaning that the proportion of people over 65 passes 20% of the total population. You are good with numbers then. Um, But not my checkbook. (laughs) But not your checkbook. But not your checkbook. I get it. I get it. With, With... aging and you you've been fascinated since you've told me like you were seven years old or so did you have a close relationship with your your grandparents then yeah especially close with my with my grandparents um they were secondary caregivers for me um my parents both worked my dad's a lifelong entrepreneur um in in medicine um my mother's a teacher and my grandparents took care of me and my brother, you know, during the day, they, they took over some of that, that, that caregiving burden. Um, but my grandfather in particular was always such an inspiration to me because he was born into abject poverty. He was one of eight. He wow. was, he was literally that, that person that didn't have a pot to piss in. That's that saying comes from his family. Um, at the age of 14, he was in the mines as a coal, coal miner oh to my. support his family. And for whatever reason, he beat the odds and he lived past 90. That was not supposed to happen. When he was born, he had a 50% chance of making it just to adulthood. He made it to adulthood. He went to war. He came back. He had led a middle-class lifestyle, built wealth with my grandmother, who was also a teacher. He worked for Westinghouse his whole life uh, post-war, built kind of your quintessential middle, lower middle-class life sent both of his kids to college and was able to, you know, retire in relative comfort. And I thought to myself at the time, this is amazing. This wasn't supposed to happen. So he was an inspiration to me on how to live. He lived family first. Um, but the fact that he was able to live so long was part of what, what really captured my, my, my attention more than anything else. But, um, it was going to see him when he was in nursing care that that expanded my view and and traveling from Pittsburgh to Washington D.C. where where I was at school, um, I would see the demographic shift happen in real time in the rural the rural countryside. 
Um, I'd see people who are my grandparents' age or older working as gas attendants or, or waiters or waitresses at rest stops. Um, right now, they're working. Right now, they're working at Trader Joe's. Exactly, and I, and I, or believe it or not, in the Apple Store, um, yes. it's not unusual. In fact, in my book, The Super Age, I talk about this one gentleman I met who was um, well past his seventies, uh, working as an Apple expert uh, in the store. And I it was just when I was starting to write this book and I said, I had to ask you what, you, what are you doing here? Uh, and he said, I love to work. Um, this is my second time coming back to work. And I said, well, why did you do it? He said, well, my, my father just passed away. My father was 106. Oh my God. He said, okay. He goes, and my father had Alzheimer's for the past five years. Oh. And he said, I realized, um, during this caregiving period that, I needed to stay connected to stay healthier. Um, but I also needed to work longer because I couldn't afford to get to 106. And there's this added benefit that I get to work in an environment where I get to talk to people all day, remaining social. Like I said, right. I get to learn new things, lifelong learning, and I get to connect with younger generations. That's building resilience, building those friendships that'll last you for the rest of your life. That to me is the thesis right here. We can all be super agers if we take advantage of the gifts that we're given, advantage of the opportunities that are out there. We don't need to vision ourselves at age 40, at age 80, but we need to think about those little things that we can do today that can help push us forward into tomorrow. I just want somebody to help me remember all my passwords. Uh, <laughs> Because my Mac keeps telling me it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Um, we only have a moment or so left. What one piece of advice would you give based on this, on your study of the data? For individuals? For to, yeah, go ahead. I think for individuals, if there's one thing I can tell you to do today, we've, we've highlighted the, the focus on well-being, obviously, you know, making sure you have lifetime income. If you're working, you know, maintaining your, your, your lifelong attention to learning and those meaningful relationships, but there's anything you can do today that can really future proof your life and guard your independence, which we all uh, treasure so deeply. It's making slight modifications to your home today. Um, little modifications to lighting schemes, to the layout of bathrooms, to whether or not you have a, a regular shower or tub or, or a shower that you can use in a wheelchair. These are all little things that can help you maintain your independence for long periods of time. In fact, that's one of the biggest pieces that we're pushing with individuals today is, and pushing is probably not the right word. <laughs> one of those things that we're really focused on sharing with individuals today is that 90% of Americans want to stay in their home until they die. But the vast majority of us don't have that ability because our homes at some point start working against us, not for us. Yeah. Two so story we, homes. Yeah. And, level if we, and all that. if we just, if we have the ability, if you have the ability and the resources to make the modifications today, do it. Don't think twice about it. Just do it. It'll pay off in the future. It'll keep you out of a nursing home. It'll keep you uh, from spending incredible amounts on health care if you fall. Yeah, and falling is the beginning of the end. Listen, it Bradley, is. will you come back uh, and, and update us in, in a month or so? I sure will. I'd love to be back. 
All right, good. We will we will take care of arranging that. Our guest, uh, Bradley uh, Sherman, S-C-H-U-R-M-A-N, The Super Age, Decoding Our Demographic Destiny. Uh, I'm Mark Allen. Thank you for uh, listening at home. Uh, we will be back next week, as we always are. Uh, have a good week. Have a happy week. And most importantly, have a healthy week. Take that walk around the block. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.